Welcome to the Talk of Sykeston. I'm Glenn Cantrell, and today, really important topic of discussion. Um, we have seen so many things um, on the news and obviously on social media over the past several weeks about the coronavirus, and it's uh, a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of people are panicking, and uh, my purpose today is try to answer questions and try to uh, dispel the rumors and to make us more informed so that we can make better decisions as as a community of what we need to do uh, in the midst of all of this that is going on. And if, if you're like me and you've been to the store, you've been out and about, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I've not seen anything like this, how people are responding. And so we're going to talk with Eric Slaughter today with Missouri Delta Medical Center. He is the infection prevention nurse. He's also the safety and emergency preparedness director there. And Eric, thanks for joining us today. Yes, sir. Happy to be here. So, Eric, let's just start from the basic. What is coronavirus? Okay, uh, so uh, coronavirus has been around for a long time. Uh, there are a lot of common strains of this virus that are, you know, it's all in the same family. Uh, they they cause a lot of our uh, very common uh, seasonal viral illnesses, um, the common cold, if you will, Um However, th- this particular strain here, it's a member of a more aggressive uh, branch of this family uh, along the lines of the, the SARS that people might remember from years past and then uh, also the MERS, M-E-R-S, uh, virus and outbreak that we'd had in the past. Um, this one is a new mutation um, along those lines, though, along that same family line. And I think this is one of the things that, Eric, is, is people are trying to grasp, because one of the first things that you saw as this was coming out, and people were the naysayers, if you will, were saying, oh, people, this has been around for years, which it has, but not this particular strand. Absolutely, yes. Um, th- there are four very common strains that cause the, the common cold, if you will, in this family, and uh, We've been testing for those for years. Uh, they list uh, disinfectants such as Lysol and whatnot, uh, you know, as effective against the coronavirus, and they're referring to those common strains. So, as we, so, is there a difference between COVID nineteen and the coronavirus, or is this the same thing? Well, uh, coronavirus again. That's re- in reference to the family. COVID nineteen is the illness caused by this new, they call it, or what the word they use for a new strain, they call it novel. So you will hear them say the novel coronavirus. What that means is it's a new strain of the coronavirus family. Because I think that gets a little confusing too, COVID-19 or coronavirus. Absolutely, it does. Um, There has been uh, a lot of misinformation and people misunderstand um, a lot of providers these days are testing uh, using a respiratory viral panel. That viral panel detects those common strains of the coronavirus, and people are misconstruing that and thinking that that means that they're being tested for COVID-19, when in fact we're actually testing them for the common causes of respiratory illness before we jump to the drastic thought that they might need to be tested for COVID-19. Because this makes this difficult for you all, right? Because uh, all of these symptoms are very similar to the flu or some other type of uh, cold, if you will. Um, so you're, you're having to really test for all of these things. Yes, yes, we are. And in fact, because testing resources, uh, while they're expanding, they, they continue to be limited for COVID-19. 
So we can't just test everybody right now, and, and you're exactly correct. This has been a very uh, tough year for the flu. In fact, a, a lot of flu activity, uh, pretty severe illnesses this year from the flu. There have been a lot of deaths from the flu. Uh, when this COVID-19 illness begins to come on, uh, it typically presents a lot like the flu. So, so let's let's go there for a second too, because I think again misinformation and you know everyone's an expert <laughs> at, <laughs> yes. at some point, and so we see these things out there, these memes or whatever that are like, hey, you know, it, it's not as bad as the cold, which all these people were infected this year and all these people died this year, and I think that's really hard pe- for people to grasp and to take this seriously because. While we've seen uh, the numbers continue to grow in the United States, it's not up to the common flu levels. And so people, I think it's why some people aren't, quote unquote, panicking or worried, but we should still be concerned, right? Absolutely. Uh, So with the flu, our body is exposed to variations of that flu virus every year. And if we get vaccinated, which is strongly encouraged, you know, our bodies uh, have an, develop an immune response to these different variations every year. So when, you, when you're presented with uh, a flu virus that is not the exact match for what your body has experienced before, it still has uh, antibodies that uh, in varying degrees of percentages are able to respond to that illness. This COVID-19 is a new mutated strain. Our bodies have not experienced this illness before. Our bodies do not have an immune response to help counter this this illness. So, you know, our bodies are facing something new. This is a new invader to our body. It's um, and it, it's just so. Uh... I don't want to use the word fascinating, interesting. I don't, I don't know what the right word is to watch all this unfold because it's like something out of a movie. I mean, honestly, we, we saw it happening in, a, in another country and we didn't think twice about it. And then all of a sudden, it, it just seems like it just exploded. And then it was in the United States. And then now here we are. Everyone is panicking. But this is what the World Health Organization is for, what CDC is for, to be watching all of these different things that are happening in the world to then put out the concern out there so that we do respond correctly. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and on prior to this pandemic, you know, uh, the hospitals don't really discuss all of the emergency preparedness measures that we take, the drills that we do annually. Uh, we have protocols in place to uh, work through how we would handle different uh, pandemics uh, were they to arise. I mean, you know, we prepare for these things, and and in this event, this is a respiratory illness uh, causing virus. We are trained how to quarantine, how to isolate, the proper protective equipment to wear. I mean, you know, again, this is a new, the specifics are new to us here. However, the general concept of how we would fight this, you know, we train for and we prepare for. I mean, of, of course... This one with it being on a global pandemic scale, uh, I mean, you know, th- this this one's up there for <laughs> for response, but, you know, that's what we do. And, and, and Erica, I'm sure you know this, and, you know, doing what you do, but, you know, you can plan, you can plan, you can plan, but it doesn't always work out the way that you plan, and the main reason is because of people. <laughs> and, and people are panicking, and, and people are... You know, wanting to get checked out because of one little symptom or whatever. Uh, what what has this been like for 
the health care community in the United States with all of this going on? It can be very taxing. There's a lot of education and a lot of uh, uh, misinformation that, that we have to steer people back on the right path with. Uh, you know, we. I wish we were to the point where we could just uh, quickly have you come in and do a point-of-care test like we do for the flu quickly and tell you you do or don't have this. Uh, we are not – that is not the capability that we have at this time a, as a nation – you know, we, we have to uh, be very wise uh, stewards of our resources here. We have to make sure that we are testing the people that need to be tested. Just because you have, even if you have the COVID-19 uh, virus, that does not mean that you need to be tested. That does not mean that you will end up in the hospital. Uh, statistics right now in our country, upwards of 80% of the people that are infected recover after mild symptoms. So, you know, you, you hear about the most severe cases, and, of course, everyone wants to take that to the extreme then, and, you know, that has brought on the, the panic with uh, purchasing everything and, um, you know, the, the rush to want to be tested at clinics and whatnot. But the best thing people can do is stay home unless you are ill and, and to the point where you need emergency medical care. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out why everyone's buying all the toilet paper. <laughs> I haven't I figured that one out yet. I understand that one myself. <laughs> so, Eric, I, I, you know, it, it is tough because we live in southeast Missouri, and as you know, at around this time, as I'm experiencing, are the usual sinus problems because it's spring, it's southeast Missouri, it used to be a swamp, and allergies are just a commonplace here. Um, it, how do you calm people how do you say hey listen this just be patient and 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 wait like how what can you say to someone right now who may be panicking or worried or concerned to make them feel a little more at ease i i can tell you this uh this this uh covid19 is looking more and more to be a an illness, that, a virus that you contract from very close contact with people who are infected with it. Uh, it's looking to be most likely you have to be within six feet of the person and for a significant period of time. Uh, and when I say significant period of time, uh, so, some uh, studies or reports they put out would say five minutes or more. Others are saying ten minutes or more. Uh, regardless, you've got to be around them for a, a number of minutes. Um, you know, the basic things that people could do, uh, you know, if you're sick, stay home. If you don't have to go out, don't go out. It, definitely don't go out for unimportant out-of-town travel if you don't have to. Uh, you need to use good hand hygiene. You need to use good cough etiquette. Cover your mouth when you're coughing. Um, you know, the, the, the simplest things that we can do are actually the most effective things we can do. Just the basic stuff we were taught in elementary school. Absolutely. One of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about today is is the response. Obviously, caution is is what's best, uh, better safe than sorry, that sort of thing. Um, at the same time, it, it, is there some overreaction? Um, and I don't mean by people panicking and buying all the toilet paper. I mean some of the overreaction that maybe uh, is causing the panic within the media or social media or that sort of thing. 
Well, I will say this. Uh, from a media standpoint, we have to be very careful the information that we are putting out. I, you know, I have seen uh, many things that have, have, have been put out that maybe were partially true or were, you know, kind of biased toward one way or another. I, I'm going to use the example of testing. Uh, you might hear some people out there implying that uh, testing is readily available to anyone that just wants to be tested in the state of Missouri. And while private commercial labs are trying to gear up to get to that level, even they are not at that level right now. And, you know, it's a misconception that you can very easily be tested just because you want to be tested, and that is not the case at this time. And one of the things, too, Eric, you know, we talked before going on uh, with the show, and, and there are certain questions that I'm staying away from simply because this is such a fluid situation that things continue to change, um, you know, whether that be from testing or um, how, uh, you know, it's treated or, or, or whatever. The, I mean, for the healthcare professional, that's, that also makes it very difficult. Absolutely, it does. Uh, how, how we contend with that, we have uh, various levels or tiers of response that, that we will implement based on the uh, level of activity and certain, you know, mitigating fact or factors, I should say, that would uh, escalate our response or de-escalate it depending on uh, you know, where we are as a region. We monitor that very closely. Our administrative group uh, here at the hospital meets every morning uh, to review the situation. Uh, you know, uh, we, we take uh, the planning. I, I know I keep talking about planning, but, I mean, th this requires a lot of planning to coordinate, a, you know, an effective response. Well, I mean, my goodness, a coordination with you guys, uh, other emergency management agencies from police to fire. Um, I mean, I just can't imagine the collaboration that has to take place when something like this strikes. Absolutely. Uh, it, 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 but it's also very reassuring. Uh, I know when I first took this position, I was blown away just how interconnected and how well all of the different, uh, the EMS, the, the DPS, the uh, firefighters, the, I mean, everyone, the health department, uh, the Missouri Hospital Association, all of the different healthcare organizations. I mean, we are a very interconnected network, and, and we work very well together to make sure that we are able to pull together in a time like this and, you know, make sure that our response is where we need it to be. And is that also, I mean, encouraging in a way because, uh, you know, regardless of how you feel about this outbreak and how serious it is and, and that sort of thing, I mean, listen to me, if one person dies, it's serious. Um, and uh, it's got to be reassuring, though, as you watch all of these things unfold, the different states, the different agencies working together to make this thing happen. I mean, it, it makes you feel kind of good because if something bigger breaks that you know that, you, that you've gone through it and, and you've seen it in action. Yes, it it uh, it is very reassuring, and it's and it also like I said, the public uh, isn't always aware of all those things. There are a lot of those things that you know get no coverage, get no discussion. It it just happens, and you know it's great that we do it. But I mean, I, you know, sometimes to reassure the public and for them to understand that you know we we really do try to prepare for these things, even when these things aren't occurring. 
Eric, I know that information keeps changing and whatnot, but you know there are, there are people listening and they're concerned, and some of them may actually not feel well for whatever reason. Could be allergies, could be the common cold, could be anything, um, and maybe they're a little concerned, right? So, what is it that are there any specific things that someone should be looking for that may be different, or is it? really just hard because all the symptoms are just the same? Well, I will tell you the the general consensus uh, and recommendations out there are if you have just common cold or flu-like symptoms, most all providers want you to stay home. You don't need to be seen if you are not having trouble breathing or you are not having severe symptoms. You, you don't need to come into that office and risk exposing other patients and the staff and potentially giving them what you have. We would want you to stay home. Now, if you feel that you are in an emergent situation, meaning you are having trouble breathing, you are extremely short of breath, uh, you know, if family notices that, that you just, things aren't right, you know, but, uh, People that have the COVID-19 tend to, again, show mild symptoms, but the ones who end up with the more serious uh, complications from COVID-19, they typically are your people that have other comorbid conditions, um, elderly, the people with heart disease, lung disease, kidney disease, uh, diabetes, um, uh, you know, the list goes on, and they have that list out there if anyone were to want to look and see if they were on that list. But uh, they tend to, if they develop the uh, kind of the worst second wave, if you will, the second week, typically those people might end up with a really severe illness and they deteriorate very quickly, um, end up possibly with pneumonia, secondary infections. Um, those people end up in very critical conditions sometimes, and those people require hospitalization. So, Eric, is it is it uh, correct to say that, coronavirus actually leads to other things uh, that become deadly. It, it it has seemed to be the case that many of the people who have required hospitalization have developed a secondary illness such as, like I mentioned, pneumonia, among others, acute respiratory distress syndrome, they, or ARDS, as they say. Uh, th- there are other medical conditions that seem to develop in conjunction with this, and some of those people that mostly that seem to be in the higher risk groups. I'm not saying it's exclusive to them, but it's been in higher percentages it has been to them. Because in healthy people, I mean, we're seeing recovery rates really high. Yes, yes. The, the, and again, I, I said I wasn't going to throw a lot of statistics out there, and I really don't want to because it's so fluid, as you mentioned. But yeah, upwards of 80% is the current number that recover after mild symptoms. They do not require hospitalization. So really, Eric, right now, it's, it's A, don't panic. B, just be smart about preventing this from spreading by not being around other people, staying at home. If you're sick, especially stay at home. And then hopefully if we do those things, this will start to curve downward, right? Absolutely. And, and that is the goal. I'm sure many people have seen, they've shared it all over the media and social media, flatten the curve. We still expect that uh, roughly the same number of people will contract COVID-19, but the point of flattening the curve is stretching out the, uh, those uh, the viral illnesses over time to not exceed capacity for the hospital systems 
to care for the acutely ill. We want to not exceed capacity. And if we will do those measures, it is very attainable. It has been done in other countries. Well, and, and we're out of time, but you know, you mentioned other countries. You know, this you know, China was the at the top uh, as of today. Though Italy became uh, the top of most deaths, and it, you know, listen, this doesn't no borders, it doesn't know race, it doesn't know you know anything except infection of people. And so, Eric, we appreciate you coming on today, talking with us, and helping us sort things out. Yes, sir. It was my pleasure. Eric Slaughter, he is the Infection Prevention Nurse and Safety and Emergency Preparedness Director at Missouri Delta Medical Center. Again, if you're just tuning in, you can catch this on our podcast on iTunes and Podbean. All you have to do is search the Talk of Sykeston, and you'll find it there. And join our join us on our Facebook page. We'll have information as well. Thanks for joining us on the Talk of Sykeston. I'm Glenn Cantrell.